This morning, in light of the scripture verses that we have read this morning, I want us to also think about the question, this question, who is Jesus Christ? Now, let me put this in a particular context so that we will uh, move from this into this, and then we'll come back to this. But, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, the greatest need we have today is a spiritual awakening. And by this, I mean, you know, just one of those old-fashioned, one of those Holy Ghost revivals. That's what we need today. But, you know, when we look and we study history, we we see this and, and we find this out. But, you know, this kind of revival only comes about through the preaching and the teaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, dead, buried, and risen again from the dead. Now, hang on to that because we're going we're gonna to come back. Uh, look at this again. <clears throat> In the verses that we're looking at this morning, we see that Jesus asked the disciples this question. He says, who do the people say that I am? In other words, all those people out there, what are they saying about me? And he responds, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, watch this. The name Son of Man is very, very important because, you see, this is the title that Jesus himself used in order to identify himself to the people to show that he was the Messiah that God had sent. And so Jesus asked the question, who do people say? Who am I? And again, you see, God is not going to send revival, I don't believe, from what Scripture says. God is not going to send revival until we come to deal and we can answer correctly that particular question, who is Jesus Christ? You know, it's interesting to read about the great revivals of the past. And the thing is, to read about the impact that they had upon the land, and and especially here in America, as we we read about some of those. You know, one of the great ones in our country is what we know as the great uh, awakening. It took place up in the New England area, and one of the chief preachers there was a man named Jonathan Edwards. And I love the story. It's, it's told, it's, it's, it's said that, that when Jonathan Edwards was preaching his firm, famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, that the Spirit of God came down, the power of God came down, and it had such an impact on the people the the, the story goes, that the people were literally, they were grabbing hold of the pews because they were afraid they were going to slide right into hell. That's the kind of revival that we need. That's the kind of revival that we are talking about. But again, as we would say down in South Georgia, but it ain't going to never happen until we come to the place that we can answer this question Who is Jesus Christ? Now, since the first century, there have been all kinds of attempts to answer the question. At the beginning of the 20th century, a man by the name of Albert Schweitzer wrote a particular book. And the name of the book was was, uh, The Quest for the Historical Jesus. And in this book, he set forth a popular view of who Jesus is. It's popular then, and I hate to say it, but it's, it's very popular today. And so in answer to the question, who is Jesus? Albert Schweitzer says, well, he's, uh, 
You know, he's a great man. But now he's not God. You see, that's the way they were answering, and that's the way many people today answer. Oh, Jesus was a great man. But he was not God. Now, as we come back to our text here in, in Matthew chapter 16, <clears throat> during the ministry of Jesus, there were various opinions as to who he was. In fact, early on, there was a strong feeling that Jesus might just be the Messiah, the one that God had promised. But you see, there's a problem there. To the Jewish people, you see, their concept of the Messiah, it was purely political. In other words, they were expecting somebody like King David. Someone who would come back and who would raise up a mighty army. And that mighty army would defeat those old Romans and would free the Jews from slavery. And you see, when Jesus refused to be this kind of a Messiah, then the people kind of step back and they begin to have, have some doubts. And here we see Jesus is asking the question, those people out there, what are they saying? Who do they say that I am? Now look at verse 14, and you see the response. Verse 14, the disciples said, well, some say John the Baptist. Well, others say Elijah. And some say Jeremiah are one of the prophets. Now think about this. What does this tell us? <clears throat> the public perception of Jesus at this point was that he was a prophet. But now that in itself is very, very, very important. Because you see, to the Jews, a prophet was someone who had been sent by God sent to the people in order to give the people a special message. And you see, the Jews knew that. The prophet never said something like this. Well, now, in my opinion, this or that, it was always, thus says the Lord. And you see, the Jews knew that when the prophet of God came, whatever he spoke, that was God's word. And the thing is, it came true. You know, one of the ironies of our day is that, you know, we'll hear people say things like this. Well, <clears throat> I believe that Jesus was a great prophet, but now I don't believe, he, I don't believe he was, he's God. <clears throat> now you think about that. A great prophet, but not God. But now think about this. Whatever a prophet spoke always came true. Because he was a spokesman from God. And you know, to me, one of the ironies of our day is this. People will say, well, a, pro a prophet, but not, not, you know, not God. But you know, you think about it when you look at the ministry of Jesus. <clears throat> you see that Jesus not only declared the word of God, but Jesus declared himself to be the word of God. And you see, that is the significance of the title he uses here, Son of Man. The central message that Jesus taught was that he was the Christ that was sent by God. He was the Messiah. He was the anointed one. <clears throat> and so you see, what this means is, 
what this is saying to us is that, you know, you really can't believe that Jesus was a prophet without also believing that he's God. Because whatever a prophet says would be true. And you see, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. <clears throat> you know, what's interesting is when you think about it, the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying. I mean, that's why they killed him. Because he claimed to be God. <clears throat> Josh McDowell has written a, an interesting book entitled <clears throat> uh, Evidences That Demands a Verdict. And in this book of his, what he has done is he has taken the claims of Jesus and he has studied those claims and he concluded, and this is interesting, he concluded that Jesus is either God as he says or else Jesus is a lunatic. He's a madman. He's a big liar. He's a lunatic. He's a madman. Or he's a big liar. Well, now, how in the world can we say, well, he's a good man? If, if, you know, if, if he's all of that. <clears throat> well, the people of his day may not have fully understood exactly who Jesus was. But they knew this. They were dealing with someone who was more than just a mere man. At least he was a prophet. And so you see, Jesus asked the question of the disciples. And he says, who do the people say that I am? And then he gets their, he gets their response. And then he brings it home. And he says, to, he turns to his disciples. And he says, okay, now who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now, as you look at these verses, you see how that Peter answers for the group. And he gives what we call a great confession. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Now, note that. You are the Christ. So important. Because here, you see, we get to the very heart the heart and soul of Christianity. You see, the question really is this. Is this person, this historical person, Jesus of Nazareth, <clears throat> is he the one that God had promised that he was going to send to deliver his people? And you see, people without, Peter, without any, without any hesitation, he says, yes. He says, Jesus is the Christ. The one that God, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the one that, that God had promised. The word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos. And it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew term Messiah, which means the anointed one. And you see, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Peter is saying here, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. <clears throat> During the time of the Reformation, the reformers, they wanted to make sure that people could understand the role of Jesus. And so they kind of summarized, you might say. And what they did <clears throat> is they summarized what the Bible talks about when it talks about how that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. <clears throat> and in fact, you see, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, reformers, 
they knew, and they said this very clearly, that, excuse me a minute. I've been a little hoarse here. <clears throat> but they understood that the reformers understood that from Malachi, from Genesis to Malachi, there's one message. And that's the message of Jesus. And they wanted to make that very clear. You know, recently in our worship, we've been looking <clears throat> at, the, uh, at the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And we've seen some of these precious truths. And you remember several weeks ago, we looked at question number 23 from the Catechism. And that asks the question, it says, What office does Christ execute as our Redeemer? And the answer that's given there is that Christ is our Redeemer executes the office of prophet, of a priest, and a king, both in his state of humiliation and his exaltation. In other words, they wanted to make it clear that we understood that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Messiah was to fulfill the three offices, prophet, priest, and king. And you see, all of this is summed up when Peter says, you are the Christ. <clears throat> You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You've fulfilled it all. And you see, the reason why it is so very important that you and I know, that you and I understand that Jesus is God, that He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, it, because you see, if Jesus is not God, look what this means. This means we have no incarnation. We have no God in the flesh. If Jesus is not God... We have no Emmanuel. That is, we have no God with us. We have no atonement. <clears throat> there is no sacrifice for our sins. There's no forgiveness of our sins. <coughs> there is no resurrection from the dead. This means there's no hope of eternal life. No final authoritative revelation from God. And you see, that's why it's so important that we understand that, you see, the Bible says Jesus is the living God. He is the rock upon which the church stands. And you see, it's because Jesus is God, that's why we worship Him, and that's why we adore Him. And as we're talking about revival, you see, that's the message that God uses to stir revival in the hearts of His people. That Jesus Christ is God. <coughs> you know, we hear this and we know this to be true. But you know, at the same time, I have to, I have to say, I can't help but kind of be, uh, be a little bit sad. Excuse me, let me put a cough drop in. <laughs> I can't help but be a, a little sad because oftentimes today, we hear this question, a big question. It's something like this. Is it really necessary for us to confess that Jesus is God? Is that really necessary? And you know, they say, they say, you know, doctrine polarizes people. And, 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 and therefore, we're trying to bring everybody together. We want everybody to just love one another. And so, is it really necessary? Is doctrine really, <coughs> is it really necessary? Well, as we look at these verses, Jesus certainly seems to be pleased with the answer 
And I think he, he, he answers that question for us. Notice how Jesus responds. Look at verse 17. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man. Notice he calls him blessed because of the answer that he gave. And he says, And this is not something that you came to on your own. But rather, he says, this is something that God revealed to you. In other words, God opened Peter's blind spiritual eyes so that he could see and he could understand that Jesus is God. Now, note what he does when he shows his approval. Look at verse 18. And Jesus says, he says, I tell you that you are Peter. The Greek word there means rock. Jesus says, I am the Christos, and you are the rock. And on this rock, he says, that is on that confession that Jesus is God, I will build my church. And he says, the gates of hell will not overcome it. You know, you think about that. You see what that's saying? Jesus is saying the church, Grace Covenant PCA Church, Dallas, Georgia, is founded upon the rock, that is, that Jesus Christ is God. You know, there's a great hymn, we're going to be singing that hymn, which sums it all up. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. Think about that. Yes, this confession of Jesus as God, it is necessary. And watch this. You see, it's because Jesus is God that you see that he can save to the utmost. It's because Jesus is God. And only God, you remember, can forgive sin. Only God can give life to our dead spirits. Only God can give us faith. Only God can do that. And you see, Jesus is God And Jesus does that. And as you think about it, this is the message of the gospel. This is the good news that God gives to us. That the God of heaven and earth is a God of love and a God of mercy. And the fact that he loved us so much, he cared so much about us, that he was willing to come to this earth to give up all of the glory and the splendor and the beauty and the wonder of heaven and all of that. And he was willing to lay it aside, and he was willing to come to this earth in order to forgive us of our sin, in order to become identified, to take on human flesh, to go to the cross, to die for us, in order to save us from our sins. Yes, you see, the Scripture says, yes, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The one that God had promised who would come and who would deliver his people. Think about it like this. You see, Jesus came in order to restore everything we lost in Adam. Jesus came to make us into what we should be. To give us meaning and purpose in life. And you see, Peter says, that's Jesus. That is the Christ. Jesus asked his disciples the question, Who do people say that I am? They gave the opinion of the day, 
And then Jesus turned to his disciples and he says, but now who do you say, who do you say that I am? You know, when you think about it, that's the question that you and I need to be concerned about today. That's the question that should be personal with us. In other words, how do I answer that question? How do you answer that question? <clears throat> who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus Christ to you this morning? And I hope and pray that we can all, that we can all say with Peter, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that God sent to save me. And Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I commit my life to you. I trust that we can all pray that today.